Well, good morning. I'm, I'm really excited to be here this morning. Uh, it's a fun Sunday to be here because it's the Sunday right after Christmas, um, which means that I don't have to know any of you and you can't judge me face to face because you're all family visiting this week. I enjoy that. And actually, that kind of brings me to my first point. Um, since most of you guys are family, I'll share with you a family story that I had over the last, um, well, on Christmas Thursday with my father. My father says, Shane, how did you go about picking your sermon? And I kind of chuckled, and I said, well, I just thumbed open and pointed to it. And he said, well, that doesn't sound like a very good pastor. And I said, well, actually, my plan really all along is to have Rodney come up and preach, since I know he's going to be here visiting. So uh, with that, no. Uh, and then my second point really is that uh, I'm a youth director and a Bible camp director. Uh, so I have some energy. It's not going to be acceptable for you to fall asleep. If you feel the need to stand up, do some jumping jacks, that would be great. I'll probably do them with you. Um, the weird thing about preaching on Sunday morning is I spend most of the night before really excited, um, but then not sleeping too well. So feel free to just come up here, wake me up. It's fine. Um, The other thought that I had kind of flowing through my head, it was just kind of wrestling with it, was, you know, Ben spent the last three Sundays really doing a pretty good job of pointing us to the king, uh, just declaring that we need to worship him, um, that he's not just a baby in a manger, just not this little insignificant being uh, too poor to find a hotel room, that he really was the king of all creation. And uh, because I'm not the eloquent pontificator that Ben Killerlane is, um, we're just not going to talk about the Christmas story. He did such a phenomenal job, which leaves New Year's resolutions. And uh, by my profile, you guys can tell I'm pretty good at keeping them. So we're not going to talk about New Year's resolutions either. Um, And then I was kind of in this conundrum of, well, what am I going to talk about? Because those are kind of the two things people talk about this time of year. And uh, fortunately, the news... Uh, provides a pretty good answer for us this time of year of where we're at in the world. And so I put together a a quick list um, of what 2014 looked like in case you forgot Um, because I I don't remember things. um, I needed a list. And so here it goes. Um, Miley Cyrus twerking. Yep, that happened. Uh, LeBron James returned to Cleveland. Yep, that happened. Um, GM recalled 780,000 vehicles because of an ignition switch. Awesome. Um, The Affordable Care Act goes into effect, went into effect January 1st. Here's a whoa moment. Uh, Same-sex marriage became legal in Oregon, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Oklahoma, Colorado, Nevada, West Virginia, and North Carolina. That's like nine states. Same-sex marriage became legal. Talk about a loss. Colorado and Washington State legalized marijuana. If that's your sin, I'm not going to judge you. Uh, Texas Governor Rick Perry was indicted. Attorney General Eric Holder resigned. Julia Person, Director of the Secret Service, resigned. Ebola. Ferguson, Missouri. ISIS. The 52nd Winter Olympics. Syria, still in civil war. North Korea, Ukraine, the Mexican drug war. Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 disappears, and Malaysia Airlines Flight 17 crashes in the Ukraine. Bad year to fly in Malaysian Airlines. Russia annexes Crimea. 
Israel suspends, suspends peace talks with Palestine. The World Cup happened. And Super Typhoon Ramesson. I don't know if you get that kind of stirring way down in you that I get. Uh, it kind of resonates with Matthew 24. You know, that's, that's the verse where he says, And you will hear of wars, and you will hear of rumors. But see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. places. All these things but are the beginning of the birth pains. All these things are but of signs of the end. And so, just kind of that, what do I do with all of that? That's a lot. Um, God, I just, I tend to worry. I tend to find sort of this level of anxiety when I think about all the world's problems. And then I think about all my problems. And I think about the fact that I've got a 19-month-old that's coming up in this world. And it's just a lot going on. And so, um, I just was reminded of Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It's just a great verse. It says, fear not, for I am your God. Fear not, do not be dismayed, because I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will hold you, or I will help you, and I will uphold you with my mighty, righteous hand. I love that. Um, I love this verse because it gives five promises, five just really good reasons why in the midst of everything that's going on in the world around us, um, that we can just throw away our fear. And those promises are that God is with us, that God is our God, that he will strengthen us, that he will help us, and that he will uphold us. Let's pray real quick. Father God, the biggest thing in the world right now is not the fact that I am nervous. It's not the fact that I am fearful just talking to a handful of people. Um, the biggest thing in the world right now is that we are a creation that is um, coming unraveled. And for all intents and purposes, God, it's because we, we missed the fact that uh, you came and you declared your victory and that you saved us from our sin. And so we are a world, a creation of people that are not turning to you, are not seeking you, um, do not put our anxiety in you. Uh, and here we are. And Father, I just pray this morning that you, uh, you will give us reason to stand in you, that you will demonstrate to us uh, that you've got our back, that we can hope in you. And Father, I just pray that you reveal that in a mighty way this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, let me share with you a little story of my world in March of 2003. Um, I soloed uh, in an airplane for the first time. That was pretty fun for me when I came out of high school, I thought. I wanted to be a pilot, and so I flew an airplane uh, all alone on the first time uh, in March of 2003. Also in March of 2003, I had been dating Melinda for nine months, so that was pretty solid. Um, and then also in March of 2003, um, Mr. Rogers died, so that was rough. Um, and then also in March of 2003, I went into uh, the Air Force, and so basic training loomed upon me. And uh, I can remember going to uh, Lackland Air Force Base. I can remember getting off the bus. I can remember all of the fear and anxiety uh, of what a naive 19, 20-year-old boy looks like, uh, thinking he's probably going to shape the world to be president of the United States. I don't know what my dreams were, um, other than I wanted to fly airplanes, and it was expensive, so I was going into the Air Force to pay for it. Um, my first night of basic training, 
they sat us down in what was called a day room. It was a room in the middle of two dormitories. Um, and so it was my flight and my brother's flight, and we had this day room in the middle where we would gather for briefings, and it had one TV. And then really because we were nobodies and peons at the time, they just made us sit on the floor. And um, here we are, my first night of basic training, and uh, our sergeant with some intensity, which I was finding to be a theme uh, in basic training, that they would yell at me and have some intensity, told us that we needed to get into the day room where they turned on the TV, uh, and then we watched as uh, the United States Air Force started its campaign. And at that time, we were waging war on uh, Saddam Hussein, um, held on accounts of um, weapons of mass destruction and war crimes against his people. And so um, here I am, just a young man. My family is not with me. Uh, I'm in the Air Force, and I'm watching this brand new war unfold before my eyes, and I'm thinking to myself, great, I am going to go to war. Like, join the Air Force, go to war. And, and I should have thought that was coming when I joined the military, like, hey, you know, but that night, I just remember the two and two were kind of marrying each other, and I just realized there's a lot of things in my world right now that are just shaking. And my father had given me a, a verse to take with me. Uh, he actually gave me like a little um, camouflage, I know how cute, camouflage Bible that I took with me. And, uh, and it, he had written uh, on one card, Isaiah 41.10, and it just said, fear not. And so then I had to look up the verse. Um, and it just... It has stuck with me. There's been a few times in my life now where I can find myself just quoting Isaiah 41.10. It's funny because one of the pastors that I I enjoy listening to a lot, John Piper, he also says that when his brain shuts down and like the gears are just whining, his brain goes to Isaiah 41.10. And I find that sometimes my brain goes there. And I just love this passage, and so I just wanted to share it with you this morning. Um, And so why is it practical for us? Why does it matter? Well, it's a command is a command from God that in the midst of everything, we should not fear. And, and it has huge ramifications. I mean, we should not fear because he is God. And, you know, I, I started you in Isaiah 41.10. And, and that's a shame on you as a kind of a, a pastor because you kind of tell them what you're going to tell them, but then you got to take them back to the beginning of the chapter to tell them why. And so we're going to do that. We're going to look at why Isaiah gives a bunch of reasons why we should believe in this God, really under this God. What, who is this God that we should put our confidence in him and fear not? And so um, we'll start there, Isaiah 41.1. says, listen to me in silence, O cast lands, or coastlands. Let the people renew their strength. Let them approach. Then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. It tells you something pretty amazing about God. Um, Isaiah is really drawing this picture of a courtroom, that God is the judge, that God is not just a judge in a courtroom. He really is the judge of all judges. We can pick up from the very first few words of it that we need to listen in silence before him. So he's a presence. Um, it's a good thing, honestly, that I'm not a judge because you guys would all be going. Because, honestly, you guys are terrible drivers, and I flip out. So if I was the judge, right, I'm just saying you guys don't have a chance. 
But God is the judge, and he can put things in perspective, and he can draw us together to see. And it reminded me when I was thinking of this of last week when Ben was talking about Revelations chapter 5, verse 4. And one of the things Ben was really talking about was John weeping in this moment where he saw this letter, and this letter had seven seals on it. And John is just terrified because he knows this letter is contained It contains all of history. And nobody, nobody can open it. And then the elders rally behind John or however they get to him and say, whoa, look, look, behold, the Lion of Judah, behold, he has the power to open it. It's the same image here. This God who has coastlands, which is really saying from here to here, which is everything I made. I am the judge over it. Everything that happens in it is mine. It's my courtroom. I'm your judge. And so the first thing you can take from Isaiah 41.1 is that God is really the judge of all judges. And if that's not sufficient enough to prop you up, then we get to Isaiah 41.2. And in this, we see that God is king of kings. That he uh, is working out history and working out rulers for his reason. And so we'll read it. It says, Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him. So that he tramples kings underfoot, he makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely by paths his feet have not trod. If you're familiar with how the Israelites uh, got kind of handed off and, and were conquered and Um, This is talking about um, a Persian king, Cyrus, and Cyrus will come in uh, and conquer the Babylonians, um, and then he will go through and have many victories. um, And God is saying that although Cyrus may be appearing to have these victories on his own, uh, who is he to this mere man? I am the king. I am the ruler of all rulers, and these things do not happen apart from me. Uh, it makes me think of Pharaoh and, and uh, the Exodus. It says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. I mean, here's God, the ruler of all rulers. He has that authority. Um, it just, for me, is one of those things that you just kind of step back and go, whoa, history's not a little thing. And the story of history is, I can't even... I mean, I could like try to follow the Israelites because the Bible lays that out, but to see how God is loving his Jewish nation and how he is wielding and working behind that and how he is moving kingdoms around and how he is protecting his remnant, that is amazing. And, and Isaiah is saying, look at that. Look, look, he's not just some insignificant God. He is the judge of all judges and he is the king of all kings. He's the ruler of all rulers. Fortunately, Isaiah gives us more, um, if that's already not enough to convince you that this is the God worth following. Isaiah just keeps going. Um, and so, uh, Isaiah 41, 4. And this, I love this. This is this idea that God is the firstborn over all creation. Uh, Isaiah 41, 4 says, Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning And then it says, I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. 
And if you missed it, Lord is all caps. That's Yahweh. That's I am absolute. That's I am the I am, all caps. And here he is saying, from all generations, it is I, the Lord, the first, who has done these things. Whenever I want to kind of take the youth group into this moment where I like kind of put their world into perspective for them, I try to take them into Colossians chapter 1 and marry that up with Psalm 139. So if you can follow me for just a second, Colossians 1:15 is where we hear, I am the firstborn over all creation. In fact, my Bible's up here, so why don't I just read it for you because it'll be more eloquently stated. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Take that image, that God who can hang stars, who can figure out the genetic code of you, who can put the constellations in order, who can summon and feed fish, who can control weather, who can control rulers, and marry that with Psalm 139. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows you. That's, that's mind-numbing, right? That's the same God Isaiah is pointing at. He is, from the beginning, he is absolute, and he will be with all generations, holding all history. He is the firstborn over everything. Last week, Ben did a really, really good job of taking us into John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ was and is and is to come. God, the Almighty, is the firstborn, is the last. There is nothing else. And Isaiah is pointing to him as the reason we should not fear. Isaiah is saying he is the judge of all judges. He is the ruler of all rulers, he is the firstborn over all creation. What else does Isaiah say? This is, this is the hard part in this, in this text, honestly, for me, because this is where Isaiah gets a little personal. This is where it's like, before this moment, I just felt like I could read this and skim over this, but when I got to this part of the text, I was like, he's talking to me. And so it says in Isaiah chapter 41, verses 5 through 9, The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. It says, Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, Be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer and who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, It is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. If you're missing the imagery in this moment, he's talking about making idols. 
idolatry worship. He's saying that what we end up doing as people is when we are faced with all of this fear, when we are faced with everything around us, our tendency is to look to ourselves, and when we cannot answer it, we make our gods. And so we'll start with that, right? I mean, these guys are kind of uh, are making the finest metal and wood trophy that they can, and then they're going, it's good, it's good, man. It's good. Be strong, be strong, man. It's good. Yeah, that's perfect. That's, we got a God. We got, it's good, right? It's right, right. It, you know, that's kind of their mindset in this moment. And it's not that that, that doesn't hit me. It's that when you step back from that one degree and you go, I do that. When I don't know the world's answers, when I want to check out, I go to the things that I idolize. I go to my TV. I go to my lust addiction. I go to my place of, I don't know, get away. I, I flee from my family. Or I, you know, we all have different things that just we idolize and we put in that place where God should have been. When we were fearing, we should have went there. But we didn't. And, and then you read this and you go, ha, oh, you know, that's me. I, I'm that. I, but it's okay, right? And why is it okay? Well, let's look at the next little set of passage here. It's okay because God understands us. He says, but you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. That's, that's big, right? When God calls you friend, my friend. And I, okay. <laughs> you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corner, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. He knows us, and he has chosen us. Despite, and idolatry is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, that's why we have the ten, despite that, and every other plethora of disgust and filth that we can put before God, he has chosen us. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. If you are in Christ, you are an heir of his. If you are in Christ, he has lavished his love upon you. Behold what manner the Father has loved us. You should be called children of God. And he chose you. I want to follow that. So a few years ago, um, I was an air traffic controller. And... uh, when, when I spent three years in that, that kind of way of thinking, um, my spatial recognition, like, went through the roof. Uh, it ticks Melinda off because sometimes I'll be, like, driving and I'll be like, hey, there's seven airplanes. See them? She's like, okay, yeah, fine. And then we walk through them. Did you see their shoes? Did you see? And I just, like, I noticed too much stuff. Um, which I, that's not the part that ticks Melinda off. The part that really actually ticks her off is the fact that like when she's two feet away from me and she's like, Shane, 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 I can't notice it. Um, so I, I don't know, right? Um, but one of the things that happened to me in that, that moment um, is that I kind of liked to see and feel and sense how the world is around me. Um, and so when I was 
kind of thinking about this um, passage, I recalled something. I, I'm not sure if John Piper came up with the thought. I saw it in, in one of his books called Desiring God, or if he stole it. Um, but So I'm just going to plagiarize it um, and, and cite John Piper. Uh, and his thought was that if, if you need a little more help digging into Isaiah 41.10, if, if the, the concrete evident, evidence there that you know, God is the judge of all judges and the ruler of all rulers, and that he is the firstborn over all creation, and that he has chosen you, if that's not enough to help you drive this into your heart, that when he says, fear not, that that's a command to stand behind um, and rally in and just live within, uh, then this might help. And this is a way of thinking about how God, not only through those penned out uh, ways of Isaiah's um, teaching on history, not only are those where we can rally and sit in, but we can also sit in this imagery. Um, and so you can put up the next slide. It, it's how I like to think about Isaiah 41, 10. Um, so the verse, the, the verse comes, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then the next one. And this is how John Piper breaks that down. I am your God. So in that spatial world, God, God is over you. I am your God. I am over you. I am with you. I am by your side. I'm doing life with you. I'm walking in the trenches with you. I am by your side. I will strengthen you. And we as believers know that that comes from the inside out, that that's the Holy Spirit, that that's God within I like to joke because we have Emmanuel, which is God with us, but we don't really have word for God within us. Uh, I mean, I guess the Holy Spirit, but um, he is inside of us. He is strengthening us. I will help you. Um, I like that part of Isaiah 41, and I like to see it as I'm all around you. From wherever your enemies are trying to hit you, uh, that's me, God, going, not today. Not in my house. I'm the God over principalities and authorities, over demons, over the heights and over the lows. I'm that God. And then he says, uh, I will uphold you. And I just think of that as from underneath. And so um, the imagery here is that um, God is all around us. There is nothing that he is not blocking, protecting, containing, holding, supporting, loving. It's just there. It's armor. And um, I like to pair the two, the, the first kind of reasons why we should follow with looking at who God is and how he holds us. And then I like to get to the place where I look at those two. And I think I can sit there and go, in this moment, I can fear not. I, I legitimately don't have to fear because I can see God working history and I can see how he's holding me. Kind of resonates, doesn't it, with that idea of cast all your cares on him. Cast your anxieties, your worries on him because he cares for you. Um, kind of resonates with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know, In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I just, I just am here before you this morning imploring you that in the midst of the world around us, um, we should not, 
let our fear cripple us, that we should not let us become immobilized from what God has called us to do. Um, And so where this becomes practical is you all are evangelists. You all are spouses or children of somebody. Uh, You all have a place in this world where you need to to put on the shoes and, and tread the gospel. You all have obstacles and, and things in your life that uh, can be way up here, whether it's, it's death, the loss of a spouse, or chemotherapy that's not working, or you know, those, those issues that are up here, or, or it's surface level, and it's do I go left or right? Do I take this job or both jobs? And both are good options, but I'm crippled by the, you know, those, all these things in life that just put us in this spot where we can't move. And, and God is really railing around us and saying, do you hear me? Do you look to me or do you look to your idols? Do you fear not because I'm with you? Do you take me with you? Do you have confidence that I am sufficient? Do you have confidence that what has happened on the cross is the story that holds all of history? That what was paid for. And though we didn't deserve it, that that was sufficient. And do you have confidence that you don't have to fear because I am the ruler of all rulers and I will come again as King of King and Lord of Lords? Imagine that day. Some hypocrite, some liar, you know, is on the Temple Mount declaring, I'm God. I'm God, follow me. And God's palace on earth and people are mocked and deceived and in that moment whether it's three and a half years or whatever the bible i don't i'm not a revelation authority we as believers will know when he comes when that trumpet barks we will know and in this moment we just have to cling to the fact that we can fear not because that is what we know we know he's coming. And so I want to <coughs> excuse me, um, close with a thought. I'm not sure who to attribute this to. It just came up on an Isaiah 41 Google search, but it, it fits this topic really well, and so I'm going to kind of leave this with you. It says, I call you this morning to stop defining and limiting your future in terms of your past And start defining it in terms of your God. I call you to recognize that God is greater than your personality. God is greater than your past experiences of timidity. God is greater than your family of origin. And God calls you to joyful fearlessness. The crucial factor in your fearless living is not your family, but your God. The crucial factor in your fearless living is your God. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in God. Trust God. Let God be your God, your help, your strength, and he will uphold you with his mighty, righteous hand. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for impressing that upon me. I thank you for um, the timing of, of this message and the season that we're in uh, in a world that is kind of turbulent and 
Um, although it's predicted in Matthew, you, you prophesy that this is how it will look. Um, I still thank you that your message in the midst of all of that is do not fear. And in the message of, or in the, in the midst of our lives that are just wrinkled and ugly and um, sinful, you, you pull us out of that and we don't have to fear. And in the midst of loss and death, and, and we don't have to fear. And, and I just thank you for that, God. I thank you that you, you hold the victory. I thank you that you, you hold us, that you care intimately about us, that you would call us friend. Um, I just praise you for that. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.